Good morning. It's just a little one today from First John chapter one verses one to four. It'll be on the screen behind me, or if you wish to follow along on your own Bible device, whatever. The NIV entitles it the Incarnation of the Word of Life. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Hey everyone. It's good to be with you. My name's Mike. Uh, Sam's if I haven't met you before. And I'm a a member of this church, uh, like many of you. And it's great to be able to open up uh, God's word with you today to a fantastic part of the Bible. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at 1 John. And so uh, let me pray, and then we're going to uh, get stuck into a delightful book that gives us great confidence in the gospel. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can spend some time reflecting on your word. And as we uh, come to do that now, wherever we're at before you, with our questions, with our uncertainties, Trusting in you, not trusting in you. Help us by your spirit see Jesus and to see how we can have confidence in him. Amen. Well, um, I love uh, this this uh, book of the Bible because uh, it does, as we saw with the kids, give us confidence in Jesus. But I don't know where you are with your confidence in Jesus or whether you even think that he's worth having confidence in. But that is exactly uh, what Ethan, my 11-year-old, uh, said to me not that long ago, a few weeks ago, um, before bed, before we were praying, and he asked the question, you see it on the screen there, Dad, how can I know that I know? I want Jesus to be right here in front of me. Now, that's a great 11-year-old question, but you know what? I reckon that's a human question. We want to have confidence. And wouldn't it just be great? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if I didn't have to open up God's Word, God's word and explain it to you? If right now, Jesus would just walk through this, uh, the door, come up here and say, Mike, I've got this. I'll take it from here. That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? He could explain it to us. And, but that's not the reality. How can we know and how can we have confidence? You see, maybe, maybe we would love to be back there back then. That's what Ethan would often say to me. He'd say, oh, if only I was one of the disciples and I could walk around with Jesus. <laughs> That's a very innocent question, right? If I could see it happen, I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be so cool. But gee, I'm not sure I wanted to be living back at, in uh, uh, Israel back then. It did seem like the greatest time to live. But how amazing would it have been to be there with Jesus? But this is not our reality, is it? And, and I think maybe... Sometimes we're left with just kind of sensing Jesus. So I called the title of this talk that all we can possibly have is maybe an inkling, 
maybe just a feeling or maybe some kind of sense or experience that God is there. It's what sometimes Christians, I think unhelpfully, will call faith as if it's a leap in the dark, that you leave reason behind and logic. Christian faith is just a trust in something you've got no real basis to believe in. And that's the best we can do, that we can have that sense of Jesus. A vague kind of maybe awareness that it's all real. And you know what? The reason I love uh, John and uh, his letter and his gospel as well is because he is concerned about that very thing. Wherever you are on the spectrum of going, I think this whole thing could be one big scam. To just having questions and liking the idea of it but not being convinced of it, to fully loving Jesus. Wherever you are on that spectrum, John wants you to engage with him and think, there are reasons to think that you can trust in Jesus. And so why did he write this letter? Well, we helpfully had it with the kids and just want to say, uh, a Sam's victory is a, Sam, a victory for all Sam's, so I'm taking that victory as well. Good on you, Chloe. That's great. Um, but why did he write this letter? We saw it with the kids, didn't we? We saw, we saw uh, John had a big goal. We can see it there in verse 13 again. Why did he write the letter? I write these things so to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. And what do you know? That you have eternal life. He wants them to have confidence. What's often been called having assurance of your faith. We don't just hope in something. This is not lotto hope. This is real assured hope that John is wanting us to be convinced of. And that, that's his goal. But John actually, he wrote the Gospel John, the biography of Jesus' life. And his purpose for that letter is really close to the same, uh, for, for that Gospel is really close to the purpose of this letter. Have a look at what he said here. The gospel was about below that in uh, chapter 20, verse 31. He said, but these things are written, he said before that, so many things, Jesus did so many miracles, so many things happened that you couldn't write them all down. That would be absolutely impossible. But then he goes on to say in verse 31, but these, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Can you see how closely they're related? When he, when he tells the story of Jesus, he's wanting people to encounter him and believe in him. And then as people are starting to kind of believe in him and he wants to write to a, a group of Christians, he wants them to go, don't just kind of loosely believe in that. Don't have a sensing kind of inkling that Jesus is real. Remember what you trusted in and have confidence in it. So wherever you're at today, as we look at how we can have confidence, you can consider whether this is something you should have for the first time or something that you're continuing to build on as one who follows Jesus. But before we do that, I reckon it's actually good to know why John is, uh, why this, how this letter was written um, because it's a little bit unique. I don't know, has anyone ever read 1 John all the way through? Yeah, it's a bit unique to say Paul or the other letters in the New Testament uh, in some ways, in its style. And I reckon it's really cool. I reckon there's two different types of people. And whether you naturally like John or other letters, maybe because of the style that you like. Who is super logical, likes one plus one equals two, likes formulas and they all make sense. You know, all the engineers above you. Who likes that? 
Yeah, yeah. All of you people, you like you like Paul's letters in many ways because he says, because of this, therefore that, and so now do this. See? It's a bit more like uh, uh, kind of that's one way of describing. If A equals B, you know what? And then uh, B equals C, then A equals C. And the whole letter, you can find how it all flows perfectly, bit by bit in, in sequence. John, there's another group of people, and he likes the kind of, let's have an idea and let's float it out there for a bit and let's bring it up and then let's talk about it and let's go around in circles and let's bring it up and let's go back to it again. He likes talking that way. Who's more likes the creative, artistic side and big ideas? Who are you amongst there? Not as many big idea thinkers. I'm, I'm totally in that place of just like throwing things around. Jen's nodding like, yes, you are. I think she nodded as if that's frustrating, but that's okay. Uh, what we've got here is John. He writes his letter and it's more like a spiral. He actually writes and he has a big idea and then he constantly comes back to it and he goes back and forth and he brings up all these themes and ideas. So if we go back, actually, I should have put this in the slide, but in our um, title page, let me just go back there the way he does it is he has these big themes that he just constantly talks about and you think he's done with it and then he goes back to it and he contrasts them with one another so he talks about love and hate truth and lying life and death light and darkness all these ideas and he kind of swirls them around so that you can have an understanding of who jesus is and so we're going to see that even more next week as we kind of see how the idea in the passage we see in the second half of uh, chapter 1 kind of threads throughout the whole letter. It's a, it's a great uh, book and it's a lot of fun to get involved in. Now, as we do that, I want us to see three questions, uh, three big ideas today. And as we take these big ideas, consider what John is trying to do for us. The first big idea is God has to do something to be known. He is beyond our limits of experiencing and knowing him. If God is out there, he's beyond our physical creation. And John knew that and he loved thinking and starting at that point. See, in this letter, what was the first phrase? That which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. This God who was there before even the world was created, he's so unknowable, he's he's way out there. We don't have access to him. How could we possibly know him? He has to do something. Now this idea of God is, I actually like, just a side point, I actually like um, big concepts and words that's right. I like big concepts and words and making them really understandable. Uh, I don't believe that we can't know big ideas, right? Because I, I think we've just discovered one. God is so out there. He's so different to us. That is, God is transcendent. And I think, oh, that's a big word. I don't understand it. You already do because we've, we've discovered it, right? God is so far from us in our human experience, we need something to happen to know him. He is transcendent. That is what transcendence is. We cannot reach him. Emily uh, was telling me that in the art world, she loves uh, doing art, and and, uh, the idea of a transcendent in the art world is expressing something that's almost unknowable, and you try and do that through creative means. Our God 
is like that. And John loved to express that. Um, even in, if, you, if, you, if you've read his uh, gospel, how does he start his gospel? See there? In the beginning was the word. In the beginning. He loves to draw on the idea that the first words of the Bible start on in, uh, in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, there was God. He's so far from us. Now, kind of wrestle with this idea of God needing to do something. Make sure you're going to get Emily to come up here. I mean, can you come up here? Now, I want you to tell me what does Emily have in her pocket? A hanky. <laughs> I don't think you own a hanky, do you? No, it's right. But why, why did Meredith uh, suggest that? Maybe because that's what she might put in her pocket. It's often what people do. What what other theories have you got? A mobile phone. Yep, thinking Emily's young. They all have them. She's cool. <laughs> uh, maybe she's got a phone in her pocket. That's not a bad. You're having a guess and a bit of inkling of what you could possibly discover. Money, keys, yeah, all things that could likely be in there. What can't you figure out? <laughs> Definitely nothing, Manchester United. I can guarantee you that because I would disown her. No, um, the, the reality is you can't actually be sure, can you? Why? You can't see. It has not been revealed to you. God is in that place. You can sit down, Emily, and I'll get you up a bit later. Yeah, you could. Maybe you could get an idea of it because, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a, a pocket and I can see the bulge of it, but you can't be sure, can you? That's right. So in light of that and that challenge we have with God, the second uh, point is, what does God do? What does God do? You see, John is so desperate for you to m- you move beyond the inkling that he's there to the idea of, I can't believe him, but I've got to put reason behind or logic behind and wanting you to have confidence. He wants you to know his experience and explain it to you. Let's have a look at one uh, John 1 again. Let's read it again. And let's read it thinking about what God does. It should come up there on the screen. Oh, the bottom line's not there, but that's actually okay because that's not the important one for this section. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. They're actually quite astounding words. John's goal of giving us confidence starts with kind of a presupposition, a pre-idea that everything is grounded upon. And it's grounded upon the idea that what God does, He's moved from being transcendent and He's come into our world. And not only come into our world, John's saying, He's come into our world as one of us. And I can tell you that because I actually used my senses to touch Him, to see Him, to hear from Him. 
So we change our understanding or use of the word sense to being our physical senses is how I've experienced God, he's saying. And I want you to have confidence in that. The Christmas story, we're just about, I did freak out a little bit when Ada said 27 days. But the one thing I love about the idea of Christmas, the thing that I I just love coming back to in Matthew's Gospel in in chapter 1, where the Christmas uh, narrative story tells us that Emmanuel comes. And Emmanuel means God with us. He goes from being transcendent to being with us so we can actually know him. The other big word for the day is, that is, God has become incarnate. That is, he has taken an embodied human form. He's become something that we can actually engage with. He's become human. He's gone from being transcendent, unknowable, to actually coming into this world, becoming incarnate as a human, so you and I can engage with him. And John is given that privilege in history to being one of his disciples who got to touch and see him. You see that there? He heard, he saw him, he touched him. That is what he's talking about. If this is true, how extraordinary. But who is this person? that he is touching and experiencing. We know it's Jesus, but he describes him in a certain way. Can you see it there? He describes him as the word of life. In the beginning was the word, and this thing that's out there has become something we can know, and he is a life giver. He is the source of life, and he is the one who gives life. Uh, we see that he says, "He and uh, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which has appeared to us. How extraordinary something so big and beyond us, the one who's made us, is coming and revealing himself to us. Just sit in that for a moment. If that is true, how amazing it is that our God has done that for us. Why why did John want to convince them of this? Why was he so desperate? Because his whole life, from that point of touching, seeing and hearing Jesus, he proclaimed and testified to him. See there, this we proclaim, this we testify. And what is he proclaiming? That this Jesus is real and that he gives life. And the idea of proclaiming is to say, this is something I'm telling you so you can take it on board and hold on to it. And I'm testifying to it. That is, I'm a witness of it so that others can be a witness of it. Now, we love the idea of testimony. Our law court is courts are built on the idea of good witnesses and testimonies, right? And we've kind of got a bit obsessed in our world, I don't know if you have, um, with, with uh, crime. And there's this kind of new sensation that I have not dabbled in particularly, but crime podcasts. Have you heard of these? Where people love, who aren't the police, aren't the investigators, investigate real-life crimes and testify to the, anyone who wants to listen to their podcast about what had happened. 
my experiences on that is just a really fun show on Disney Plus uh, called uh, where uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short uh, are investigating a crime that happens in their building and they create a podcast and we're watching it happen and you're thinking all these people are witnessing to what's happened. And the problem is a lot of the witnessing and testimonies are false and they've got to discover what's true and what's not true. Is this testimony of John reliable? That is the question to continue to come back to. And if it's true, we can have great confidence. But there's another reason why he, uh, he tells us this. Maybe it's more important. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Why am I so worried about this? This is John saying, why am I so worried to tell you? Why am I so worried to write it down so these people can hear it? And then generations and generations, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, that people would read these words. Why do I want them to know these words? Because... This one who's become real in this world, who's become flesh, God with us, wants you to have a relationship with him. That's the whole foundation of it all. And this relationship with him, fellowship as it's described there, real genuine friendship that lasts into all eternity. He says, isn't just so that you can hang out with God and you do that just you and him and no one else. It's so that, he says, first of all, you may have fellowship with us. That our whole church community is about having fellowship with one another. Deeply and personally loving each other, engaging with each other more and more as we have a relationship with God. And wanting more and more people to come in on that. And this is where joy is found. We write this to make our joy complete. Real joy, real joy is found in seeing people having a relationship with God and bringing them in. What should you, if you love Jesus, what should you love more than anything else? A Sunday when someone else comes up here and talks about how they came to church, they never even really considered God, and they discovered through our community that Jesus was real and that he actually died for them and and they've decided to trust in him and they want to be part of our fellowship because they have fellowship with God. That gives us the most joy that we could possibly have. That is what John is saying. It is the song that we sung at the beginning that we go from just singing it because it was the first song we had today to it being, I am deeply convicted of those things, that I believe in God. Now, Emily, come back up for a second. You should come back up. Uh, What's in your pocket? It's a golf tee. I had to get the. There's no way you could have guessed that unless you had a bit of a stab. I know Michael pretty well, and so he's usually pretty obsessed about golf. So I'll have a stab in the dark, and then I've got to guess what golf thing he'll put in there. We won't put a golf club in there because Emily's pockets aren't uh, that big, and uh, well, maybe a golf ball. But that's probably not likely. Then maybe you could have a stab, but you can't know. And now that you know, 
you can live your life by this tea. <laughs> no, you can't, right? That's a bit of thanks, Amy. Sit down. That's yours. You can keep that tea. Do with it what you like. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> she's going to throw it in the bin. Uh, you keep, like, lots of things we discover that don't impact us. Today, we discover that Jesus is actually someone that we can have confidence in. It changes your life. And so as we finish today, I want to just say two things. The first one is, you can have confidence that Jesus has come. That's what Ethan and I have been reading verse by verse one, John, ever since he asked that question. And he keeps asking the same question over and over. And it's a lot of fun. And I'm being pushed and challenged very theologically by an 11-year-old, which is um, hard work, actually. But it's great. Sensing Jesus is not something you can just decide, oh, it's a bit of a feeling, a bit of an inkling. It's, we don't get to do what John did. Jesus isn't going to turn up, mate. If he's going to return, finally, that would be extraordinary. But then we need to have trusted in him as he brings all things into uh, fulfillment. But we can truly use our senses to read his word, hear God speak to us in his word, and hear the history, the testimony of history, and trust in that. And I want to ask you if, a couple things about this then. Well, I want to challenge you. If, if you're wondering, oh, you know what, Michael? That's all well and good. But maybe John's like one of those people in the podcast. They're, they're, his testimony sounds all good, but maybe he got it wrong. Or maybe he's fake. Maybe he's fake news. Oh, I want to challenge you to investigate the reliability of the accounts of the Bible. That is why, you know, we have a life course where we engage, uh, we give people an opportunity to discover Jesus. And in that course, there's one week where it's saying, you know what? The Bible is so profoundly reliable. It's way more reliable and trustworthy than people actually realize until you actually genuinely investigate it. That it's historical uh, reliability is overwhelmingly profound. And we don't have time to go into that now. But if you have those questions... Maybe don't assume you know, but investigate and then make up your mind. But I also want to challenge us all, and whether you haven't, uh, if you haven't discovered Jesus yet, to meet him in the Gospels. You could read any of them, but maybe we're doing one John. Go back and read John's Gospel and see Jesus and hear him talk and hear him talk about what he has come to do and why he gives life and why we should trust in him. And see how he says that if we trust in him, like in John 3.16, we have eternal life. Now what we haven't done today is pushed into how does Jesus, this one who's come, give eternal life. And that is what we're going to do next week. We're going to pull apart how does Jesus give life and how does that give us confidence. And so come back next week and, and uh, to, to enjoy that and pull that apart. Uh, one John gets really exciting next week and some of the most profound words in the Bible about the cross are right there at the heart of it. But I want to finish, I want to finish today with this last thing. You can have confidence, eternal life and your relationship with Jesus is your reality. You can. And what I want to encourage you to do 
is to build your confidence in God. Have fellowship with others who love Him. Commit to one another. Commit to actually using your senses to discover Jesus by speaking words to Him in prayer, by engaging with Him profoundly and deeply in His Word. I suspect the reason why I love 1 John is in 2019 I had long service leave and before I went on long service leave, I, I realized that my actually doing this with God, reading the Word with Him daily was, well, let's just call it a disgrace. I, I, I got into really bad habits. So I spent 11 weeks, uh, 11 weeks for half an hour at least every day reading 1 John. And I read it bit by bit in this journal here. I wrote the verses down and I just marked them and I scribbled on them. I kind of did a little bit of the manuscript discovery kind of stuff that we're doing in Bible study. And I did it. And my reflection two years later is, I love this book and I have confidence in God more and more because I did that. My question to myself is, why did I wait till I was in my mid-40s and long service leave to do something like that? Coming to God and discovering Him, we can have great confidence because He's come into this world. And we can have real fellowship with one another. The unknowable God has done something extraordinary. So you and I can not just know of Him, but have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with Him. And the question for you to take away today is how are you going to build confidence in your life that this Jesus you serve is the one you have a relationship with into all eternity? Don't let that confidence be built on a little bit of an inkling and a feeling, a leap in the dark faith and rooted in a God who comes into the world and it will discover with even more clarity next week, died for you. And promises you life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you. Just thank you that you have made yourself known, that you are a God who wants to have a relationship with us and you've sent your Son to do the thing that we couldn't do and that we can know him. Help us all here today to praise you, and to trust in you and build our confidence in your son, Jesus. Amen.